two and two and one. Oh, shucks, I can't dance. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Open Gov, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories about what open government and open data look like. My name is Richard Pietro, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Derek Alton. And we're at the 2022 Code for America conference in Arlington, Virginia. And this is a quick dispatch of stories from the Open Gov. And we're joined by a very special guest, the founder of Code for America, <laughs> Jennifer Ponca. Let's give her a big hello. Hey, thanks for joining us, Jennifer. It's a delight to talk to you guys for a few minutes. What a, what a pleasant surprise. <laughs> we're, we're just flying off the seat of our pants today. Love it. So you're the founder of Code for America, and a lot of changes have happened since those initial days. Yeah. Tell us, reflect, take a few moments and reflect on those changes that have taken place. You know, there's so many changes, but you're getting me at a time where I've just walked out of a session uh, where the Code for America team and the state of Minnesota are talking about how they built this app that, you know, you can apply for multiple benefits in 12 minutes online. It's really easy and people like it. You know, it's a delightful, respectful experience, not a degrading, miserable, burdensome experience. And it's, you know, we always used to talk about the time it took somebody to apply and the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the burden and the, the tone. But what they're talking about now is even more important. And it's so interesting to see the metrics change, right? So they're talking about the fact that they have federal regulators. I'm talking about the state of Minnesota people, right? who are looking at what they're doing and they tell them what to do. They grade them. You say, you can do this thing, you can do this, you don't, or you, you know, you, you can do this, you have to do this, you can't do this. But the things that the federal regulators tell them are not always the right thing for the users. And now you have a team that really analyzes on a very granular level in real time with real data, what is actually good for users. And the thing that I am proud of is that the team is pushing back. In what way? So Minnesota can now say, for instance, you don't want us to have this language about incomplete applications. That's a regulation that has been there for a long time on SNAP. I knew about it back in the day. Um, you're supposed to be able to allow people to apply for a benefit with just name, address, and uh, name, address, and signature. But that's actually not good for a user. They're not going to get their benefits in a, in a quick time. It used to be needed because there used to be long lines in person. You used to have to have that. But now, if you put that front and center, you get a lot of incomplete applications. A lot of people don't get their benefits ever. Um, and they were able to demonstrate different ways of handling that requirement and say to them, no, really, this is, this is I understand you're giving us guidance. I'm telling you, I can demonstrate with a product management data dashboard, right, that this is actually what's better. And instead of people just being at the bottom of a waterfall, right, waterfall isn't just a development methodology. Waterfall is a whole hierarchy and power structure. They can say, actually, I'm going to give you some feedback about what's good for you. And they're listening. So you have, I think the, the big change is that you have product teams that have adopted a product mindset in states who are actually... Um, pushing back on federal regulation in the service of good user experience and good outcomes. We never would have seen that 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 
Uh, and this is true for our Code for America teams, our state teams. It's also true for the USDS folks and the 18F folks. I, I spent a year in federal government helping start United States Digital Service, and I see them doing that. You look at something like covidtest.gov. It's because that team got in there and said, we're going to use a product mindset here, not a maximalist requirements mindset. And covidtest.gov is going to take what? How long did it take? Did you guys use it? We, uh, we're actually we're from Canada. Canadians. Oh, you're Canadian. <laughs> None of this makes any sense to you. Well, like, I'm going to have people tell me yeah. that they filled out, they got their COVID, you know, it took them literally 11 seconds to order their test. They're thinking it's going to be this government thing. Yeah. It's going to, like, set aside an hour. Yeah. You know, it took them 11 seconds. Robin uh, Carnahan said on stage that her mom asked her to do it for her and she was like no you can do it yourself and she did and that's because tech teams are empowered now to say this is how we're going to think about this process it's not about the requirements it's about user needs and meeting those user needs and knowing what those user needs are that's enormous progress and i'm just so proud of it across the field so i guess building off of that so that the theme for the summit is building a path forward together where do you see this all going how do we move from a lot of the stuff is like these are cool stories, but that's the thing is they're exceptions, they're not the rule yet. Right. How do we move to a place where they're mainstream? This is down a norm. What's that path forward that you see? Well, COVID tests are good. I think it, .gov is a good example. I'm sorry again for like, <laughs> we've US heard about it. it, it go for it. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's something we've heard in Canada too. Like the success yeah. has bled through the border. Yeah. So you had a. You had a situation where uh, the USDS team was you know, instrumental in covidtest.gov, but they were not the product owner. USPS was. Career public servants you know, who are in that infrastructure of how it's always been done partnered with them. They had uh, the cloud infrastructure to do it, they, and they, um, I think they had the desire also to do it in a product management you know, framework, what's actually needed here, not what are all the things that we can throw at this. And um, that's sustainable. The USPS is going to keep doing products that way because they had this great success. And, you know, I mean, you know how it is here. It's like the the president announces a website, everyone expects it's going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It didn't, not only did it not fail, um, people were thrilled. So that kind of success builds on itself, but the sustainability of this stuff is about, um, not about the people who come in for a day or a week on a product, it's about the people who are doing it over the long term. Like the folks in Minnesota that the Code for America team was just talking about, they're ta it's all about what they're gonna do without Code for America moving forward. USPS will do without USDS. Um, is it mainstream yet? No, because it's hard. Like change is really, really hard. But is it m moving in the right direction? By which I mean, are these um, longer-standing institutions actually adopting new practices that will stick? Yeah, I think it is. I think our question is: Is it happening fast enough? Mm. Right? What is mm. happening in the world around us? Um, that could erode those changes if the pace of change doesn't accelerate. I want to be very mindful of your time. We're already approaching the 10-minute mark. Um, we obviously, once again, Derek and I are a big fan of, of, of your work and what's happening with Code for America. Um, do you want, 
wrap this up now? Do you got to go? Or you got to time a little bit more time? I mean, I think when Casey texts me, I got to go. I'll let him know. <laughs> He's not out of a session yet, so. Okay. Um, uh, up to you. So then if, if that's the case, I do have one question for you. And it has to do with what you were mentioning about essentially what you're talking about is clout. You guys, clout. clout. You guys have clout now. Oh, Code yeah. for America has that muscle power. Yeah. In the early days, it was just the civic tech community as a whole was just being, we're offering suggestions because we're not being taken seriously a lot of times. Now the government's coming to a lot yeah. of the civic tech community organizations, especially large national ones like Code for America, for advice. How is that changing the dynamic of the work itself and your mandate, if at all? Well, let me first be very clear. The person who uh, has brought Code to Mer for America to where it is today is Amanda Renteria, mm -hmm. who is an amazing leader. Um, I stepped down at the beginning of the um, pandemic. Uh, she and I talk every single week, and um, I, you know, I'm, I'm super proud to count her as not only you know my colleague, but a, but a friend. But she's doing all the leading. <laughs> I don't think we would have gotten in with. Uh, the White House on the child tax credit portal if it hadn't been for Amanda's skill and, and, and the team that she's, she's built. Um, yeah, it's remarkable. And I just feel like I hit the jackpot in terms of succession because, you know, lots of people, you know, they move on and they worry about the organization that they, that they led. I don't worry about it at all. <laughs> I, get, I get to, you know, be relaxing on a beach. I was relaxing on a beach in Australia when she did her, her TED talk. And I just had a friend live text me her talk. So, you know, it's, um, yes, the organization has a lot more clout. And it's because, in part, it's transitioned into the organization it, it needs to be. And I couldn't be happier about that. But, 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 uh, but let me ask you a question more yeah. perhaps directly. Does that change the mandate? So originally I'm assuming yeah. that Code for America had a specific mandate, which is to grow the civic tech community. But now you're almost being viewed as a vendor to the government. Am I wrong in thinking this perhaps? I, I think that's a common misperception. Yeah. Um, uh, there are a lot of things about the vendor dynamic that I think the, like the, our partners will tell you are just not present in a Code for America partnership, and we were pretty hard not to become and be positioned as a vendor. Which, by the way, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with vendors, right? Um, and I think you have some of the vendors that are also seeing the ways in which we can partner, the things that we can do that a traditional vendor can't, and go, oh wait, how do I actually adopt that? These are good things, right? Um, like helping you push back on your federal regulator instead of just tell them and just meet. Rather than make your federal regulator happy with what they think that they, you should do, you're going to make your federal regulator happy with getting the right outcome, right? Um, so uh, I don't see it that way. And, I, and I, we, don't, we don't contract with governments in the same way that a vendor does. Um, and the way we set up the partnership has some significantly different dynamics. Our goal is to change the outcome for the user. Uh, and that is very rarely the goal for a vendor. Having said that, I am really happy with the way the vendor community, uh, or certainly certain parts of the vendor community in particular, are evolving um, and are going to be better players in this ecosystem. So I guess the question I have for you, particularly given uh, your, your passion around this topic and mm -hmm. really the theme of this, of this summit itself is, What's next for you? Um, I have a book coming out on May 2023 uh, that uh, I hope 
this community will enjoy, but it's not really written for this community. It's not a practitioner's book. A lot of good books coming out, you know, in the past couple of years, like Sid Harrell's Practitioner's Guide. Um, this is more like maybe, you know, your cousin who doesn't know anything about this world might want to read, I hope. So I'm just trying to explain to people. What's the name of the book first? Um, I believe it's going to be called... Yeah, the publisher decides that, right? Yeah, yeah. more or less. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be called Recoding America. But um, it's... Uh, what was I going to say? Anyway, you'll, it's, it's been fun to write. It's been fun to write the book. I'm kind of kind of into it. So How long did so. it take you? Well, I know it takes a long time to write a book. It depends on how you count the hours. <laughs> I, I, spent, I spent a lot of time, you know, relaxing after 10 years of Code for America and federal government. So I'm not sure how many hours it was that I was actually working on the book. Um, well, that's fantastic. I mean, it's fun to, it's I've, fun always, to write. I've always been told everyone's got to write at least one book. doesn't matter the quality. Get at least one book out of you. Is this your first book? Yeah. You have future plans for additional books, you think? Why Trilogy? don't we talk about that when I get this one done? <laughs> <laughs> that works. Uh, any parting questions there, Derek? I mean, again, tons of questions, but probably take like half an hour to pick into. Like, I'm really interested in, in your thoughts on the dynamics between uh, public sector, private sector, community sector, and those different incentives and how those groups can work together. Yeah. Um, which is something that I know you've thought a lot about and, uh, and have done some writing about. And I'm, I'm really curious to know, like, where are we going with the, the relationship? How is that shifting? Because those are three different sectors that have three different types of incentives. Yes. But collectively, we form society. So how do we move forward together when we have different incentives that pull us in different directions when we're trying to all move forward? I mean, I think the most powerful tool... Yes, you're right. The different incentives can be really challenging. Um, I think the most powerful tool is simply um, aligning people around the outcome, right? And, like, you know, in Minnesota, they were aligning around getting people the benefits they need. And if you can bring people back, if you, if you can set that up up front and say, that's what we're trying to do here at the end. So every decision we make is going to lead towards that. And you bring people back. It's leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think I've seen it work, right? But yes, you also then have to help figure out how those different actors in the system are getting their secondary needs met. Um, and there's a, there's a lot to be done there. I mean, um, uh, it can't. We can't set up transformational change as a lose-lose. It has to be set up as a win-win. I want to thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us today and doing this impromptu interview. We wish you the best of luck. Get her book. Uh, uh, May 23rd. Not till next year. No, no, no. It's not till May 2023. May 2023. Oh, I see. No, it's, it takes like a year to publish it once it's I done. I thought you said May 23rd. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? No, it's all right. That's like not a very good promo because it's like a year away. Yeah, yeah. Totally Remember a year that. from now Remember. to buy my book. Pre- pre-order it now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Can't even do that. Um, no, Code for America is obviously a wonderful institution. They're setting and, and trailblazing for a lot of smaller organizations and helping them become larger organizations. Can't thank you enough. Any uh, last words you'd like to share with us? It's a group effort, right? Like yeah. I, I, I'm so happy with what Code for America has done, and a, but a lot of that is creating the space for others because that's really important. So I'm glad you're here elevating lots of different voices. It really matters. Well, you're very Absolutely. kind to say so. 
Absolutely. Just a huge amount of appreciation uh, for you taking the time for all the work you've done to this point. Excited to see what's coming next, the book, and then what's after the book, uh, whether it's another book or uh, who knows what's next. Um, and yeah, just really thank you so much. Great. Well, thank you guys. Have a great rest of your time here at the conference. Okay. And no problem. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> Thank you. And I want to thank our audience for listening in and being part of this uh, episode with this impromptu conversation with Jennifer Polka. And as usual, please leave us a rating or a comment or any sort of thoughts on stories you'd like to hear or guests that you'd like to hear from. So until next time, let's make it open.